1: Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Peter Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced small, And on that track for Masters, going to get that uh, pin in 2020. I promise. Uh, I'm enjoying the football season. Uh, just got back from the Pittsburgh-Seattle game. Wow. Pretty wild, and uh, then I'm off to uh, Paris to go travel uh, and try some French football. Maybe <laughs> um, I'm sure I'll have some European beers and some wines, of course. Uh, but here in the Pacific Northwest and around the country, it's football season with college and and pro, and perhaps that XFL down the road. And we think about football, we think about tailgating and parties and chips and dips and burgers and ribs and beer. And you know, one of the fun things that I've enjoyed over the years. Is, uh, I remember my grandma when I was eighteen she she we she was drinking a red beer. And I go, well, that sounds really weird, tomato juice and and, uh, beer. But then uh, it's V8. I'm loving it. This is like we call a Snappy Tom or it's an eye-opener or something like that. Typically the hair of the dog, that works quite well. And these days there's something called Michelada. You've seen the big companies in beer produce some uh, flavored beers, if you will, kind of like there's the Shandy, of course, which goes back to Europe and the sparkling, the 7-Up and a little beer to sweeten it up and give us some lemon-lime flavor. But interestingly enough, um, you know, they used to add – salt to beer to make it more palatable and of course when you think about taverns you've got uh, beer nuts or caviar everything was salty so salt and beer go really well together that's why you got salt on pretzels and you eat beer with pretzels and these days there's all these entrepreneurs and fantastic uh, stories of legacy and tradition and one of those uh, companies Is called Twang. It might might not be called Twang, but at least the product is called Twang, and this is uh, quite fun for me. Uh, They make a line of uh, flavored salts and what we call michelada, and I happen to have Edmundo Macias on the line. He's down in San Antonio, Texas tonight, and we're going to talk about this cool product line he's got to, uh, hey, just to add more flavor to life. Edmundo Macias, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you, Christopher. Very nice to be here. Uh, Let's talk about, uh, did I get the company right? Is the company called Twang?
2: Yeah, the company's actually called Twang Partners LTD. (laughs) We've been around for 33 years, San Antonio-based, and and you're right, the product is also called Twang, Twang Beer Salts. And we have an, a line of other seasonings as well for different uses.
1: That's pretty neat. Um, all right, let's talk about you first. Are you a beverage professional? Are you a food scientist? Or... I'm not,
2: I am not a, a food scientist, but my background, I did work 16 years at Anheuser-Busch, so my background is beer. Ah. I'm now the director of marketing here and innovation as well. So my relationship with the company goes back, oh, about 20 years when when back with, in Anheuser-Busch we introduced Tequiza Beer. I don't know if you remember it. I do remember Tequiza yeah it had tequila and lime in it, and i at that time I discovered this company with this cool little product, lime flavored salt for beer and I thought, what goes better with you know beer and tequila and lime than you know lime and salt So discovered them back then, and then fast forward eighteen years and now I'm working for them, so now I'm director marketing so oh, that's, oh really I have a beer background, yeah, but I don't have a food science background, but I definitely have a drinking background. <laughs>
1: <laughs> as we all do, right? Well, almost on a background <laughs> check kind of a drinking thing. Um, That's pretty fun. So d- you weren't in charge of Spuds McKenzie, though, were you? That was before your time? That's what got I you? I know.
2: That to- was a little bit before my time, but I certainly caught the, the, the last part of that program. And it just started off as a as a fraternity program and a poster. Yeah, I know. blew up into a big, a, to a big national campaign for a few years. So. For sure, That yes. was one of their more successful campaigns. Yeah, yep. it was. That's why
1: I could bring it up. Those were my days and when right, uh, Budweiser ruled the world and uh, so yeah. what's interesting when you think about the the Latin culture of course um, citrus and salts and seasonings is part of the, the makeup of their the DNA of their coolant, the cuisine I know that um, you know here in Washington State we have a great uh, uh, Latin population that is uh, um, uh, pertinent to our our, our Economic success, and when I go shopping at some of those tiendas, those stores or mercados, um, mm-hmm. I pick up some of those salts. And there's some for for corn. There's some for. I mean, they've got the lime salt in a big jar for like sprinkling on foods. Yeah,
2: uh, absolutely. In fact, our founder Roger Trevino Sr. He he started the company 33 years ago. He used to be in in law enforcement, and his job used to carry him not to Mexico for for you know different reasons, and that's where he kind of <laughs> discovered it from a street vendor. And it's like, well, this is pretty cool. And it reminded him of something he used to have as a kid here in San Antonio. And he just started doing a little bit of research and started bringing some back from there. And then eventually found somebody who could make it for him here locally and just repositioned it Repositioned it as a salt that complements beer. To, to your point, you know, in Mexico, you drink a tecate. I mean, they put salt in lime. They've been doing that for probably 100 years. So it, the tradition did start in Mexico, but uh, our founder just kind of found a way to cut out the middleman, started doing the citrus flavored on the salts, and it, it works, man. It's, it's really good stuff. Well, what does the term michelada
1: actually mean then? If this is a 100-year-old thing, it's got to mean something.
2: Well, the michelada, that, that's kind of a different uh, – there's a lot of folk- folklore behind that. There's, you're going to read a lot of different stories, but the one that makes the most sense to me Um, The word chela in Spanish, at least for the Mexican culture, is slang for beer. It's like saying brew, you know, pass me a brew. right? So if you take mi chela helada, it literally means my cold brew or my cold beer. And since it is poured over ice, that's the one story that I, you know, again, out of the millions that are out there, the one that makes the most sense to me, whoever, you know, decided to pour it over ice and add spices and what have you, uh, it, it literally just means my cold beer, Michela helada, my cold beer or my cold brew. I love that.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna start speaking that uh, sweetly to my girl who doesn't speak Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> it works every time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! So, um, uh, is there a, a, a plan to produce more of this salt? And by the way, I'm tasting this beer salt. It's lemon lime. This is absolutely phenomenally delicious. I, the salt, right? It is. It's addicting too.
2: Yeah, I did. I'm taking and, more. You know, I know here in Seattle where, you know, they're more into hoppy type beers and IPAs and such. This is really more for your like your Mexican style lagers, you know, something like a Dos Equis, or I I'd even say your domestic lagers, like a Bud Light and what have you. Uh but <laughs> those flavorless add, beers. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I would say it does add <laughs> a little bit of we like to say it, it elevates the experience a little bit, right? Oh, and I that's what we're also trying to accomplish with our Michelada, right? So You know, just that little – take it to a new place,
1: basically. Um, uh, I love it. I love the tease about beer. I was a home brewer for a long time, and uh, uh, I've gone through the high hop head stuff. And, of course, it's always about high tests, right? (laughs) you're (laughs) 20-something, let's make it as strong as we can. Um, But I did fall in love with salts and, and of course, margaritas. It's about the sweet, the sour, and the salty Mm -hmm. because that's what our tongue tastes and our brain makes up all the rest. Um, How did – you come with the flavors. Tell me about the process. These are all organic. Is this uh, a pure? There's a purity. Not organic,
2: here? but they're they're all, they're all natural flavors. It's just you know it's 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 a regular granular salt, but it's just we add the flavor to it. Again, it's all natural. Um, so we do have the three flavors: lemon, lime, lime, and michelada. And it's a process. We have food scientists here, and we you know we really are, are careful in terms of the ingredients. Make sure it's it's nothing you know terrible in there. Uh, and, and then it's basically just getting a local focus groups like does this work well with with your type of beer etc um we are looking at expanding into possibly flavors that would resonate like with with a a hoppier beer like should we do an orange flavor or uh i don't know a bourbon flavor to go with some right. IPA. we don't know but but you know there's a lot of possibilities out there and who's to say we're, we're we should just limit ourselves to these flavors because i think there's a lot of potential to take it to the next level absolutely i agree yeah, especially the way beer the taste in beers have changed over the years and you know, people are into different type of things now. Well, why not something to complement that, right? So so we're constantly looking for the next big thing. We have three uh food scientists here at our plant. We have about sixty employees total and uh so that, that's part of their what they're tasked with is looking for the next big thing uh, as it relates to beer and cocktails.
1: Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm curious. I'm wondering, are these uh, these three food scientists, are they like avant-garde superheroes or searching the world and trying to f- put things together and make up crazy <laughs> combinations? Or are they uh, the, guy, the people in the white lab coats who are very staid under a microscope or with beakers and stuff?
2: We have a combination of all those types of people. You know, you do need the the, the the crazy, you know, left brain type of person and the right brain type of person to really come up with some cool ideas and make sure they're they're functional. So our our, our team is, is pretty diverse for sure right? in terms of culture, in terms of you know background and all that stuff. But they all have a culinary background, so that that d- does help us as well.
1: That's good. And and at the end of the day, uh, we realize that some of the best flavors or the long-lived flavors are really about balance. You think about things like Worcestershire sauce or even ketchup. Um, even certain mustards. simple things are relatively simple, but it's just about having that perfect uh, palate-pleaser combination. We all like different lemonades, I like to say. Some like it sweeter, some like it more tart, but we always like it chilled. We can agree on that. Um, how many different times does it t- t- take to uh, formulate something like the Michelada, which I just took a taste of? This is really tasty stuff.
2: Thank you, man. Thank you. Uh, we're we're real proud of the, of the recipe. It's, it's all natural. It's eighty five percent juice. You men- mentioned Worcestershire sauce. You know, we use organic Worcestershire sauce. Uh, it's a blend of seven types of vegetables. And uh, to your point, the balance. Oh, not eight? You honestly, mean uh, not eight vegetables pardon? there? You mean not eight? Yeah, vegetables? not eight. <laughs> no, we don't want to get sued. Okay. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so you know, it did take probably two years from beginning to end when we started with the formulation and. You know, we went one direction, then we went another direction, and then, well, it's too tart, it's too sweet, it's too salty, it's too whatever. to Where we finally got to the point where we had a product that was, you know, natural enough, because we wanted it to be, you know, as natural as possible, that had that right balance. Because typically a lot of bars out here in Texas, for example, they'll do micheladas in-house, but they'll buy like a generic Bloody Mary mix and then add right. different things to it. Well, this is kind of like it's all there. You don't really need to add anything some people might prefer it a little spicier. Well, you can always add a little bit of Cholula or whatever. But overall, we're very, very happy with the, the balance and, you know, the right amount of heat, the right amount of flavor, all that stuff. So we're, you know, it took a while, but it, but um, we're already thinking about the next two flavors that we want to do. So stay tuned. That's pretty
1: fun because obviously you can go different directions, right? You can have some club uh, vodka sodas and create something, you know, twang it yeah.
2: up. Well, that's the other thing with the mix. It's not just for beer. Obviously, it's. It was that's what we started with, but you know, it goes just as well, you know, uh, with vodka for you know, Bloody Mary type of thing. It goes just as well on a non alcoholic. we we'll, they drink a lot of Topo Chico out here, which is a, you know, club soda. Sure, so it, we call it a michelada because it's got no <laughs> alcohol and uh, it's really refreshing. It tastes like a michelada without the alcohol. So, uh, there's different ways to use it. You know, we've tried, we've done recipes with it, we did gazpacho with it, we oh. did a. Shrimp cocktail with it, use it as a marinade. So it's got a lot of different uses. Uh, but my favorite certainly is you know with the beer, of course.
1: Well, they must all taste delicious because it truly is a, a fantastic product. I I would again, I wouldn't talk about it unless I loved it because uh, it's cute little uh, uh, two uh, two and a half ounce. It almost looks like a five and a half hour hour deal or five hour. Yeah, energy. it does. You know. <laughs>
2: Well, the goal is you know, to have it out on the counter and maybe somebody will confuse it for a five-hour energy drink. Take it home and, <laughs> hey, this is pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the flavor lasts at least five hours. Good stuff. Give us a website we can find more information about uh, Twang.
2: The, the website is twang.com, uh, but if you want to follow us through our social, it's twang And you can uh, you know, follow us on Facebook or our Instagram uh love to have, you know, some new new uh, a new audience from the Northwest to, to join us. Sure, we'll
1: look for some cocktail competitions or some uh, recipe competitions and congratulations on getting that twang.com. I can see how that might be confusing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah, but it works. We've had it for a while, so I don't think I'm gonna take it for much. There so, you uh, go, that's foresight.
1: Yeah, right on. Edmundo uh, Macias, uh, marketing director for Twang uh, uh, beer and salts and twang Michelada. Hey, thanks so much for spending some time with me on Happy Hour.
2: Radio. Thanks so much, Christopher. Appreciate it.
1: All right, hey all right. folks. uh salads, man. I tell you, get into it. And these salts are really fun. Of course, uh, they they are uh, regular table salt, which means they have iodine. So you're not, you'll have all that thyroid health mm, and lots more. Um, uh, they're they're so generous. They sent me a chopping board so I can cut my lemons and limes to uh, garnish. Uh, my beverages—they sent me some flavors, and I like the fact that they got different sizes, so you can get a big party one if you guys just want to do like a maybe it's there for you know pre-mix it for Bloody Marys or for even the Michelada beers. Um, but hey, check it out—it's very flavorful, it's a lot of fun, and it just keeps your mouth watering and uh, your pe- your your peeps happy. Hey, folks, stick around—we got lots of more coming right here on Five Seventy KVI.
0: Guys separated by 20 years and a full head of hair, Mark Lee and Van Camp. Weekdays, nine to noon. Talk radio, 570 KVI. KVI, want to know weekends? Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for our second segment. Hope so you got something tasting your glass, or perhaps a variety of uh, tailgating supplies, perhaps cheese and crackers, and uh, when it comes to cheese, of course, I'm from Wisconsin, so I'm all about that cheese, and uh, I am a Packer fan and a Seahawk fan, and so it's a a nice balance (laughs) depending who wins. Uh, But I've got um, a really cool guest. Uh, Her name is Jill Giacomini-Bosch, and she is the Chief Marketing Officer for Point Reyes Farmstead Cheese, and uh, they're down in Marin County, Marin, California, Um, and apparently they have just Achieved some great status in one of uh, America's oldest competitions, and we think about that. Competitions have been really um, a hallmark of our artisanal uh, craft industry, whether it's cheese or wine or beer or cider. Uh, Of course, bread and pies, you think of the 4-H stuff. Um, It's all about Americana, and one of the the things that I think uh, um, is delightful um, on any occasion, uh, I remember going to France and having cheese after a big dinner, which you didn't think you could do, but gosh, the cheese is so interesting there, and it's great to know that uh, locally here in Washington State, Oregon, California, anywhere where there's dairy, of course, they're going to have cheese, and I'm I'm pleased to to welcome Jill. Hey, Jill Giacomini-Bash, welcome to Happy Hour.
3: Hi, how are you?
1: Excited to be here. Yeah, I'm fantastic. I'm I'm a cheesehead, and uh, you must be a cheesehead, too. Let's talk about Point Reyes Farmstead Cheese. Where are you located, and when did you get started?
3: Sure. We're about 40 miles north of the Golden Gate Bridge. So we are in the North Bay, uh, just um, uh, on the western um, part of Marin County. Uh, We actually sit alongside uh, the Pacific Coast Highway, Highway 1, And uh, we overlook the beautiful Tamales Bay that juts out to the Pacific Ocean. And uh, I um, operate the business with uh, two of my sisters. Um, We are 100% women-owned. And we started as a family uh, dairy here Ah. on the property. Our parents uh, bought the farm in 1959. And uh, it's it really is truly the home of of the happy California cows. I have to say, uh, I always the, laugh the when you say uh, uh,
1: they bought the farm. That just makes me chuckle a <laughs> yeah, little bit. Yeah,
3: they actually bought the farm, <laughs> and. Um, we grew up here on the farm. Uh, we were not that interested, uh, growing up, um, uh, in the dairy. You know, we were, we kind of set our sights more so, you know, on, on everything happening in, you know, San Francisco and beyond. Getting and, out of there. Uh, couldn't <laughs> wait. Yeah. Couldn't wait to leave. And, uh, fortunately with our parents blessing, you know, we were, we were free to do so and, and we pursued, you know, education and travel and then business careers. And, uh, wouldn't you know, um, as, uh, you know, I won't say young, young adults, but as adults with a little bit of um, experience under our belt, we decided together uh, as a family um, that back in the late 90s, it was time to come back to the farm if we wanted to. To in fact keep it in our family for the next generation, my parents weren't getting any younger. They were thinking about retirement, but yet they still had enough energy um, to you know work the business and, and, and pass every all of their knowledge on to us. If we wanted to come back, uh, we decided we did, uh, but we weren't going to um, continue. Um, just the the fluid milk dairy operation that was that would not have sustained us uh, in coming back to the business so we decided to really fulfill a dream that my father had had for years which was to produce a branded finished dairy product here on the farm that we could offer to consumers Um, You know, initially, we thought we were just going to be selling to the local Bay Area market. Um, But, you know, after we got involved and wrote the business plan, we thought, no, there's a viable opportunity to start making artisanal, high-quality, handcrafted cheese on the farm and sell it to a national audience. So that's what we went to work doing. And uh, we launched the company in 2000. And uh, we were um, known for the first 10 years as the premier um, artisan blue cheese maker on the west coast, and uh, that's that how
1: funny. I know. Yeah, I yeah, for sure. We would remember yeah. going to, to uh, restaurants and having a salad, and they would uh, feature the you know crumbles of Point Reyes blue cheese. And uh, we always yeah. knew that would be mm-hmm. great. I'm curious. Yeah. So, um, are there many dairies left in that area, or has everything been consolidated?
3: No, not not as many as you would think. Um, you know, with the high the the, the high uh, values right. of real estate here in the Bay Area, a lot of uh small, you know, multi generational family dairy farms have sold out. Uh when I was growing up there were about uh thirty to forty or so in our immediate West Marin and West wow. Sonoma uh area and now there are about um about a dozen. So, um, you know, diversification was the key for the dairy families that decided to stick with it, and some of them diversified just into all organics. Some started making ice cream, butter. Uh, Several of us uh, went into the artisan cheese business, so um, it, it was great
1: did the family travel i mean how did you, did you find a passion for cheese was she, i mean cheese curds is was part of the thing i know that growing up squeaky cheese and and there was always a lot of fun things to be had when you're in the dairy but did you have a lot of cheese at home was it something that you you went to france one time or what
3: well we you know we grew up you know in kind of, you know, the whole farm to table trend that started you know 15 20 years ago that's really just how we grew up you know we grew a lot of our food we raised animals obviously we we drank our own our own milk that was um <laughs> produced on the farm um you know and and what we didn't grow we would you know barter and trade with our neighbors in the community you know it would be you know n- a very commonplace event where, you know, a fisherman would come and walk in with a salmon and say, Hey, you know, can I get a gallon of milk? You guys want a salmon? You know, or That sounds a pretty good deal actually. (laughs) Yeah, a beef rancher would stop by uh, you know, with, um, some steaks and say, hey, let's have a party, you know. And, it, so it's just how we grew up. Uh, and, and because of that, we all shared a love of cooking, of, you know, traveling for food, of, you know, cooking together, you know, and, and kind of the sense of community that is, um, you know, generated from being around the table together with the people you love.
1: That's so fun. And, uh,
3: so the, the idea of making cheese here on the farm was really kind of just a natural, you know um you know uh in, incentive for us to just come back to the farm and 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 build a business around it
1: okay so did someone go take biology does someone know about uh cheese the molds the, the cultures and things like that did, did someone study you or know, did you have to hire somebody
3: no we we, we did study a, a quite a bit um as we were writing the business plan and building out the initial creamery uh here on the farm um but it was pretty quick, where we decided, you know what we need to hire an experienced cheese market cheese maker to take us to market uh, we didn 't want to waste a lot of time you know making cheese that was only good for the pigs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and, uh We also knew you know after writing our business plan and doing our research, um, looking at what was lacking in the specialty cheese um, uh, marketplace across the u s that the blue cheese was the direction we wanted to go to go in. Uh, we subsequently, you know, in further training and, and research, realized that blue cheese is one of the most difficult cheeses to make. It's also uh. a cheese that you you age for an extended period of time, and we didn't want to, um, you know, waste time getting our product to market um, you know, as we were in trial and error. Uh, So we thought that with the assistance of an experienced, skilled cheese maker, we would um, be able to get our cheese out to at least the Bay Area uh, consumer marketplace as quickly as possible. also, you know, my sisters and I, we all had business backgrounds um, and actually had had quite successful careers in various silos of business. My sister, Diana, her background was all in real estate and finance. My sister, Lynn, her experience was all in sales, specifically in wine. Oh. My experience was in um, marketing and advertising, mostly in technology. So, we wanted to get to work on the business, you know, not inside uh, the creamery making the cheese. Now, we did our fair share of that in the beginning because it was all hands on deck when, you know, it was time to turn the wheels or package <laughs> the cheese or, you know, get it get it ready for market. But, you know, we were more so out in the marketplace um, introducing ourselves, telling our story, um, working on the brand development, um, going to trade shows, you know, establishing, you know, Relationships, relationships with chefs, yeah. Chefs, retailers, distributors, and, and so forth.
1: And so, how many creameries are there? Because you, you call a cheese place a creamery, right? Is that right? Is that the proper? Yes. How many? So, how many people yes. are making cheese in that area?
3: Uh, well, you know, I, I can't answer that specifically. I think there's about 70 um, oh. small batch cheese makers in the state of California. In our immediate two county um, region of, of Marin and Sonoma, there are. Um, About 35. Okay. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, for folks uh, up in the Northwest that are thinking of coming down to this area for, you know, not just wine travel, but maybe to explore, uh, you know, who's making cheese and to taste all the great products, we have um, a website called the California Cheese Trail. Oh. And uh, there's a, a great app you can put on your phone and it can lead you on cheese tours from creamery to creamery so you can uh, go meet the animals and the makers and um, most importantly, taste the cheese because you, know, you can't drink wine all the time you've know you got to take a break and enjoy some cheese
1: Absolutely, you know, I'm wondering if that app has like a little mouse doing. that follows a trail, right? <laughs> Looking it, for it the might, cheese it might. <laughs> uh, Pretty fun, I'm speaking with Jill Giacomini-Bash who is the uh, co-owner, one of three sisters who uh, is um, the chief marketing officer for a family-run business called Point Reyes Farmstead Cheese Company, and uh, they were founded in 1959 as a dairy. But uh, in the 2000, the year 2000, the, the next millennial, they took a a, a new step in the uh, area of uh, consumer goods, being more cheese. And I think cheese is good; everyone loves cheese, right? And um, how many different cheeses do you produce? Quickly.
3: Um- Oh, about seven, eight. Okay. We always have cheeses cheeses in R&D, and we always have cheeses that we just sell locally. Um, But on a broader scale, nationally, we're distributing four cheeses right now.
1: Awesome. Okay, folks. Hey, stick around. I've got uh, some award-winning cheeses right in front of me. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio.
0: He's live. He's local. He's all Northwest. Lars Larson. Weekdays, noon to three. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round three, and I actually have three cheeses in front of me, courtesy of Jill Giacomini-Bash, Bash, who is the uh, chief marketing officer and one of three sisters who co-own uh, Point Reyes Farmstead Cheese Company. So, Jill, um, we got a little history about uh, the dairy and the creamery, and your business expertise, the acumen, of course, which your sisters have as well, and you know all this work, all this effort, and energy has gone into actually winning some some awards. Let's talk about the uh, American cheese. Uh, Society annual judging and competition?
3: Uh, well, it was this year, it was the beginning of August in Richmond, Virginia. And uh, the American Cheese Society is our industry trade association. And uh, it's we actually call it Cheese Camp because we all have such a good time when we're at conference. Uh, <laughs> and we all, we, it's such a collegiate kind of um, environment in our community. And uh, it's great. It's a great opportunity to catch up with everyone and what everyone's been up to for the last year, and uh, it culminates with the uh, judging and competition, uh, which is really, you know, the, the the industry, you know, acknowledging the hard work um, of, of the year prior and, sure. and all the new cheeses out in the market, but as well as some of the, the the old favorites that have been around forever that are still just excellent, you know, cheeses, and, and they need to be recognized.
1: I'm looking at this. It says over 1,700 entries. Um, that's amazing. And, mm-hmm. and uh, almost mm-hmm. uh, over 250 cheese cheese companies producing. Uh, that's a lot of cheese. I'm curious. You know, I host a wine competition here in, in Washington State, and we have a, a great spread, which we call the palate cleansing bar, and there's cheese, of course, and Cheetos and salami, mm-hmm. et cetera. I'm wondering what do the judges get to use to help cleanse their palate? Are they drinking wine by chance? or they have crackers oh, or what?
3: Absolutely not. The judging... Uh uh, goes over two days, and they take it very, very seriously. It's very quiet in the room. They all have lab coats. They all have, you know, um, you know notebooks, and they take uh, water. And they actually, a palate cleanser is uh, green apples and pineapple.
1: Really? Interesting. So they got acidity mm-hmm. helps take mm-hmm. out that, that creaminess. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Helps to cleanse the palate. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, that's that's pretty fun. And uh, I guess you can't be lactose intolerant <laughs> if you
3: want to be a judge. <laughs> You'd be in trouble. I'll tell yeah. you that.
1: Really? Uh, so fun. All right. So we've got three of your award-winning cheeses here. The first one I have um, is called the uh, Toma Provence. Tell me about this particular cheese.
3: Oh, that's great. Um, so, Toma Provence is brand new. Um, Toma is one of our fan favorites around here. It's a real buttery flavored table cheese that we brought to market in 2010. Well, this year, actually, right now, here in time for the holidays, we are releasing three flavored versions of Toma. Uh, there's Tomarashi that has togarashi spice in it, there's Toma truffle that has fresh. Uh, truffles from uh, Umbria in Italy, and then there's Toma Provence, uh, which is the toma cheese with herbs de Provence um, in the uh, incorporated into each wheel and I think Toma Provence is kind of like you know the best you know chick- roasted chicken dinner you know somehow transformed into a cheese um, that's a good call. A I just took of- a
1: taste and yeah. I'm surprised how buttery and roasty it is and those those yeah. herbs are very are subtle but pronounced.
3: Mm-hmm. and it, it pairs really well with a chardonnay because of that but grated on some roasted potatoes um, or just folded into an omelet I mean all you have to do is add the cheese because the herbs are already in there and you've got a finished dish
1: that's great and I you know I tell you I, I've been to Provence I love the smell of lavender and, and rosemary but I'm not a big rosemary flavor fan um, but I tell you this cheese is wonderfully balanced with the sage the rosemary perhaps a little thyme and um, lavender is mm-hmm. there lavender no, there's no lavender mm-hmm. in here is there there's lavender?
3: actually no lavender in yeah, I
1: didn't think so. Uh, I was that was a to little think.
3: too overpowering yeah. for the cheese, but it certainly has everything else, yeah.
1: So this took third place in the American Originals uh, flavors added cow's milk. Do you do you by chance know how many other cheeses were entered in that category?
3: I don't know that number, but believe me, there's a lot. The, the competition is fierce, and there's so many. There's just so many wonderful cheeses uh, being produced here in the U.S. right now, and they're all in competition.
1: Well, I get it. I mean, third place—that's nothing to, to scoff at. And this is absolutely fantastic. And, and I know and that given you're even
3: that the cheese is brand new, we were thrilled. We were yeah. so excited to get that acknowledgement uh, for something that's just hitting the marketplace right now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Because I know that you know blending trials for wine can take days and days, and mm-hmm. you can't necessarily yes. you know go back to fix the cheese after it's been uh, formed and formulated uh, no
3: you start over <laughs>
1: um i've got the tomorashi here and i'm a big spice fan uh, i'm curious is how did how did togarashi spice end up in a cheese because i know the japanese don't eat a lot of cheese
3: No, um, well, it's really great, you know, that we, our head cheese maker and plant manager, his name is Kuba Hemmerling. He is married to our, uh, executive chef and culinary director, Jennifer Luttrell. And when we decided to embark on, um, some flavored versions of Toma, uh, we set the two of them to work. We said, you know, we need, we need a chef's perspective Mm -hmm. in finding some unique spice blends that will make a flavored cheese that we produce stand out from all the other flavored cheeses in the, you know, at the cheese counter. And uh, one of the first spices that she brought to us uh, for consideration was togarashi, which is a, a Japanese seven-spice blend. It's got a lot of toasted nori, toasted sesame seed, poppy seed, hemp seed. Wow. It does have chili pepper, a little bit of ginger powder in it. But it really creates this very unique flavor in a cheese. It's got a little bit of heat, um, but it's more of a gentle, warm heat, not an in-your-face, you know, habanero or, or hatch chili type of, of heat. Right. And um, it, it just makes the, the tomurashi. Um, just sing. I mean that that cheese is so fantastic. It's it's one of our favorites around here um, at the Creamery.
1: What's funny is I, I sit here in Happy Hour Radio, and a lot of times I'm drinking wine. But I tell you, I'm kind of getting a buzz on this cheese. <laughs> <So>
3: I'm
1: feeling <laughs> well, I'll tell pretty you good. My
3: favorite pairings. <laughs> It it pairs great with sake. I like to go Japanese with it. You know, I love it with a Sapporo or a Kirin, you know, a a Japanese lighter style beer. But then also it's great with the gin and tonic.
1: (laughs) All right. You've done your R&Ds. And you have a website that...
3: Around here, you know, I, you know, the pairing, you know, the beverage pairing is something that you know we're all raising our hands constantly. I'll try that.
1: I'll I love that. that. Push the envelope. And your website is Point yep. Raise Cheese, and Ray's is spelled R-E-Y-E-S. So PointReyesCheese um, Can you yes. order online? Can you get some uh,
3: deliveries? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, you can order um, some composed gift packs that represent some of our favorite, you know, combination selections. Uh, but you can also order all of the cheeses individually if if you know what you want. Um, you also can call. Us uh, on our 800 number and um, our our order desk will help you you know find the right collection uh, for your needs or your party or you know just for your own you know
1: cooking. <laughs> maybe you need a little cons- consultation perhaps um, yeah, so fun exactly, and and the exactly. uh, the package you sent me I mean you've got some bamboo uh, platter boats here you brought me some knives mm-hmm. some beautiful little sharp cheese knives and of course uh, uh, some rustic bakery crackers. Um, I bet it's a great little box to get and or to give. And as we approach those seasons of of, uh, taking care of family and friends, perhaps that's something we can do. We are on to your final cheese, which is perhaps your most famous cheese. This is the uh, Bay Blue, first place blue-veined cheese.
2: Mm
3: -hmm, mm -hmm. This actually is not the cheese maybe you're thinking of. You're thinking of Original Blue, which is our flagship that we launched the company with in 2000. Original Blue is our one raw milk cheese that we produce. It's known for its really, really creamy texture. You can spread it on a baguette like butter, and it's very full-flavored. And we made that for 10 years um, and really established the brand and the company um, with that cheese. Um, but we always knew we wanted to make another blue. And uh, so, with Kuba, our, our head cheesemaker's um, guidance, we came up with the recipe for Bay Blue. And this is very different. It's more of a fudgy, dense texture, and it's got a uh, some layers of flavors it's quite complex actually it starts out with some earthy umaminess mm-hmm. and then it goes into kind of some yeasty sourdough kind of toasted malty flavor but the finish which is so fantastic is salted caramel and mm. quite rich i'm surprised um, how
1: sweet actually, it tastes yeah
3: yes and 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 the overall experience is actually mild for um you know a blue cheese and that was one of the reasons that we wanted to come out with a second um uh, a, a second blue cheese, you know, at, to add to our product line is that we wanted to cater to um, folks that maybe you know don't love strong, pungent cheeses that want a more mild uh, experience, or maybe just want, are just trying blue cheese for the first time. We we actually call this a gateway blue because it draws <laughs> you into the category, and before you know it, you're trying original blue and you're loving it and wanting more and more. But uh, it is very different. It's quite mild, and it's known for that sweet finish.
1: Uh, well, I've just I, I'm unbelievable. It reminds me of a gorgonzola because of that soft, creamy texture, um, the Dolce one, and I'm surprised. So when you think about pungency for blue, is that age-related, or is that a specific culture, or is it more salt, or what?
3: Um, it has to do with the strain of the bacteria for the blue mold, mark forti that's used, how much of it that's used, It, it also, of course... Um, is influenced by the cultures um, quite a bit because the cultures can uh, dictate the, the overall flavor experience of any cheese. Um, and then the aging has, has something to do with it as well. We like to release bay blue quite young, um, young for a blue cheese. Uh, we release it at about two months um, because we want, we want to maximize the sweetness in the finish versus the, the strength of the blue mold.
1: Sure. Well, um, this is fantastic. How lucky am I? I'm speaking with Jill Hi. Giacomini-Bash, Bash, who uh, is the chief marketing officer for Point Raised uh, Farmstead Cheese Company. And Joe, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to come back. I want to ask you some questions about the cheese making process. And you may you know or may not, but at least I got to get it off my chest and, and and sort of ask some questions for our listeners. But uh, folks, if you want to get some fantastic cheese, an award winning number one first blue, first blue, uh, first place blue <laughs> and blue veined, it's called Bay Blue and uh, Point. Ray Cheese.com. Hey, stick around. we got more coming up right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Your day the right way. The commute with Carlson, live and local. Weekdays 6 to 9 a.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. You're in the know with KVI 1 and 0 weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio
1: with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Hope you're having a great Saturday, September night here in the beautiful city of Seattle. Um, for our fourth and final segment, just like a great dinner in a French restaurant, we have cheese. And I've got Jill. Giacomini. Bashu is the uh, Bashu is the um, chief marketing officer for Point Reyes Farmstead Cheese Company. So, Jill, I have a question. You know, I've seen some production methods. Uh, you know, growing up and been visiting dairies and creameries, etc. Blue cheese is made by, you know, I've seen it with copper, like it looks like a giant hair pick. They put this uh, these these little points, like a pitchfork, tiny little um, uh, tines into a uh, block or a round of cheese, and then somehow it becomes blue. Tell me about that process.
3: Well, first off, you need the, the blue mold uh, bacteria itself, which is called penicillium or and that goes in with the liquid, liquid milk in the cheese vat at the start of the cheese making process.
2: Interesting. But then
3: those spores need to be activated. So the finished wheels, uh, the day, uh, for us, a couple of days after the cheeses are made, um, once they're firm enough to be handled, we um, push them through a punching or needling machine uh, okay. where they are punched with stainless steel needles for us um, on both sides of each wheel to introduce oxygen deep into the interior of each wheel. Uh, that acts. Activates the um, the Penicillium Ro- roqueforti bacteria, so that those blue veins grow from the inside out to the exterior uh, to make the cheese um, as beautiful and as delicious as, as we want it to be.
1: Interesting. It's called roqueforti. That's actually the the spore or the the what did you call it? The, mm-hmm. the yeah the mold.
3: The the blue mold bacteria. There yeah, are two bacteria. main types: um, Penicillium roqueforti and then Penicillium glaucum. Uh, we use the type variety.
1: So both can make blue, right? And there's, I take it there's mm-hmm. a bunch of penicillins because <laughs> I hear some are in you know, Do you give a patient in a hospital some blue cheese if they have an infection? Um, that would be kind of fun. Well.
3: Yeah, That's not my area of expertise. I'll <laughs> ask
1: my folks. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the holidays are coming up, and I bet, uh, you know, entertaining time. You've got these perfect sizes, and I like it. These are like four or five ounces. Um, oh, six ounces. Great. Uh, six ounces. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you've got some holiday packs. You've got, you've got gift giving. You can ship across the United States or anywhere in the world. Yep,
3: we ship everywhere across the U.S. Uh, no, just U.S. right now. And uh, we have composed gift packs that, are, that represent some of our favorite uh, collections of cheese that we produce here on the farm, as well as you can buy all of our individual cheeses. And we'll ship anywhere in the U.S. We um, also love to work with corporate clients and can send out hundreds at a time um, with a, a personalized gift note from the from the shipper from the purchaser. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can also buy our cheeses locally in the Pacific Northwest. Can we and, get a? Uh, you can buy.
1: Oh, I was going to say, what? can you can we get like an autograph from one of the cows? <laughs> like the, A, a hoof, <laughs> hoof stamp of approval?
3: One, one of the happy cows, of course.
1: <laughs> I like it. Yes, they our are. Follow you
3: know. us on social media. You can see our cows almost every day.
1: Oh, how fun is that? So I'm curious, what was the award? You won first place uh, in the blue vein for your Bay Blue. What's the award they give you? Do they give you uh, a golden cow or do they give you a golden mouse? I mean, what is it?
3: Well, I, I I wish it was more creative, but it's it's a beautiful medal to hang around your neck, and, uh, and then it goes on our wall. We're no, so it's not it.
1: for the cow's neck. They don't get to share it. The, like a cowbell. that'd be kind of fun.
3: No, but you're giving me an idea.
1: I think that'd be great, right? For, especially for your social media, and, you know, you can say, "Hey, the uh, Tipsy or Jersey is, is proud to have uh, participated in Blue Cheese." Uh, there you go. Pretty neat. And why is Holstein? Why is Holstein the choice for dairy?
3: Well, that's the breed in the U.S. that pr- has the highest yield of milk. Ah. Um, so most dairies uh, start out with Holsteins. Now, some cheese makers find that there's not high enough butterfat coming uh, from the Holstein milk, and so they'll transition or add uh, Jerseys um, or Brown Swiss or you know other other varieties of breeds. Um, we have always used. Uh, raised Holsteins here on the farm, and, that, and that's adequate for the cheeses we produce.
1: Got it. Wow, this has been a real treat. Congratulations on, uh, first of all, continuing a family tradition and continuing a an artisan tradition. Your cheeses are fantastic. Uh, you can get them online at Uh Jill Giacomini-Bash, thank you so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio.
3: Thank you so much. Take care.
1: All right. Hey folks, uh if you are in the mood for cheese, and of course we've got some dairies up here and some creameries, but I tell you this is something you got to try this. It's uh I'm blown away. And of course I'm always hungry. <laughs> but you know me, if I don't if I don't like it, I don't talk about it. And I'm talking about this uh Toma Provence, the um uh, Toma Rashi and then of course this this tender, sweet, succulent, savory uh, bay blue cheese. Really tasty. Hey, folks, there's lots going on in Seattle. We've got some great new restaurants coming up. In fact, Morimoto, Chef Morimoto is in town and he's opened up a ramen joint. So um, if you want to, you know, get a top chef, a world-famous chef, uh, learn about um, traditional Japanese ramen, then you must actually check out uh, Morimoto's place. It's down by Wajimaya in uh, the International District. Um, of course, uh, it is a harvest season in uh, Yakima and Chelan and uh, all across Washington State, Oregon, too. It's been a great vintage, another vintage. I like this one a little cooler. We, we will expect some um, really pristine, elegant, wines that are not overly ripe and don't need any much, uh, much correction, so that'll be really fun, but i um, heading to Walla Walla, and then I'm off to Paris, because uh, you got this cheese bug, I'm going to go get some cheese in Paris in September, and it'll be really fun, I'll come back and tell you all about it. Hey folks, remember we have a Facebook page, we've got a Twitter page, or a Twitter handle at Happy HR Radio, and when you're out and about, remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!